Welcome back to another episode of Seeing Life from a Different Angle. You know, my wife posed an interesting question to me this morning. I've been debating the, uh, in my own mind, the value and out loud with her as well, the value of doing these podcasts, you know, wondering what the purpose of them is and do I want to keep doing them? You know, and so she raised a question and I think it's a really valid one, which is, you know, what is my motivation for doing so? I talk a lot about motivation here, and, and when I was doing working as a therapist, I would talk a lot about motivation. Because I think, it's like I said, you know, actions speak louder than words, but motivation speaks loudest of all. And so it raises a good question. You know, I, can I, should I? Yes, I should. Look at myself in the mirror and ask myself, okay, so what is it that is motivating me? You know, why am I doing this? You know, I think when I initially started doing this, part of the reason I started doing it, and it's multifaceted, but I believe that at least part, honestly, of the reason I started doing this is because, you know, I was no longer going to be doing or working as a therapist. Um, and so I really felt like I still had so much, so many ideas, so many thoughts, so many things that I wanted to put out there and have other people kind of react to those things. You know, and and overall, it's been a really good experience in that regard. Not a lot of reactions, honestly. There's a few individuals who will react, and you know who you are. Um, and I really do appreciate the reactions, the responses, um, and the thoughts about further podcasts. You know, it's something I was hoping to get more of because I'd like the idea of a healthy dialogue, you know, an exploration of different ideas and you know, and like anything else, you know, we need to be fed something in order to be able to put out something, you know. And so I think there was a part of me that thought, okay, well, this is a great opportunity. And so part of that was motivated, therefore, out of a desire to be able to express my thoughts, to express my ideas, but also to get some feedback so that they would continue to grow. But not a lot came back. And so, you know, to kind of challenge that piece it made me wonder, you know, okay, was that what it is that motivated me to do this, to do these podcasts, you know? And then I also, you know, as Mario addressed it, you know, she said, you know, well, you know, does it go deeper than that? You know, are you using this as a way of getting noticed? You know, and I think back toward the beginning, there were certainly a lot of people who were listening to the podcast. And, you know, the first podcast has well over almost 400 listeners, which is a lot of people, you know, and to me anyway, that's a lot of people, um, you know, and it reached out and touched people all over the world. And it was an amazing, it has been an amazing experience. But those numbers have dwindled, you know, they've dropped down into the 20s, sometimes into the 30s, you know, but they're, they're still very, very low, you know, 10% of what they were in the very beginning. Now, I'm not sure of all the reasons. Maybe I have become boring or maybe I've become someone that's kind of too redundant. I don't know necessarily. <clears throat> be honest with you, I think like most people, I don't like the sound of my own voice. So maybe that's part of it, too, is that people are like, you know, I just don't cannot stand listening to this guy talk in inordinately long period for long periods of time. But one way or another, you know, it got me thinking about what my motivation might be, you know, and I think it comes back to this is that, you know, when I started doing this podcast, there was also another factor at play. 
And that factor was, you know, I, I have for many years of my life pushed away religion, pushed away my relationship with God. You know, my parents, really good parents, they were very loving and very kind. You know, back in the 70s, they became um, Pentecostal Catholics. And so for those of you that don't know what a Pentecostal Catholic is, they become very involved in prayer meetings and reading the Bible and really going to a greater depth of connection with God and with the Holy Spirit, with Christ, you know, the Trinity, to, to have that level of connection. But for a kid, you know, 11, 12 years old, this is a very bizarre experience. It's something that really challenged me. And in many ways, the way I faced that challenge was to run from that challenge. And I think it's one of those types of things that we all have an opportunity to do. We can either face something head on or we can run from it. And so for me, I ran from it and I ran from God as a byproduct of that as well. And, you know, events and experiences have occurred over this past couple of years that have really challenged my soul and have made me really question the value of my own life, the value of my relationships. You know, I, I fell into a dark, very dark place. Um, and, you know, even considered whether or not life was worth living. It was that deep and that dark and that painful. And, you know, I, I you know, decided, made the decision. Some of it was made for me, but I made the decision to kind of pull myself out of the work I was doing. As a therapist, I was seeing 60 patients a week and was finding you know, myself overwhelmed by that. And therapy in and of itself is a very lonely profession. For those of you who listen who are therapists, you know, it's not something you can spend time talking about with loved ones, with friends. You can't say, hey, by the way, let me tell you about Jane Doe and what it is that she talked about today in therapy. It's a very lonely job. And being in my home office, you know, which is lovely and set up a lot like Freud's study and consulting room, you know, because Freud has, has been throughout, you know, since I was a teenager, 13 years old, I started reading Freud. So since that period of time, you know, Freud has been, you know, an important, very important figure in my life and remains so. I think his ideas are brilliant and fascinating. And as I talked about a month, a couple months ago, you know, I think that they, they apply, they're very applicable to the space that we live in and that myopic reality that we all live in. And so it's a very sad reality in many ways, um, one where God plays much less of a part than he really deserves, significantly less than he deserves. But it's also a place that we tend to live in, therefore it's a place that we try and have to try to understand. It doesn't mean it's a place we have to stay. Be that as it may, put that aside for now. I think, you know, that throughout the, the stuff I was going through, the darkness, the, the despair, you know, I had slipped into a place of deep despair. And so when I closed my practice, I really still felt this longing, as I said in the beginning of this podcast, to really say something, to put out some ideas. But I was also touched and I believe touched by the Holy Spirit because I turned myself to God and I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. You know, my life is crumbling around me and I didn't know what to do. And, you know, I felt the strength of God in my life 
I felt a re this renewal of God that I hadn't experienced since I was a kid. No, that's not true. I mean, I think when Mary and I first met and when I was going to Virginia Tech and my best friend Tom and friends Kennard and Mike and would, we'd go to church together at the, at the uh, Newman community, it was this welling up inside of me. But there was always that rebellion that spawned in childhood from my confusion. But, you know, when I was a little boy, there was a period of time when I thought I'd like to become a Franciscan, you know, like St. Francis of Assisi, and give up my life of, you know, having money and having possessions and really be there to serve the poor and to take care of other people who didn't have anyone to take care of them. And, you know, when I closed my practice and my life was changing, you know, God came back into my life. And, and it's not that he wasn't always there. It's like that patient I had who, you know, was struggling with the question of, you know, where is God in my life and why has God turned his back on me? And I said, are you sure that God's the one that turned his back on you? You know, I believe, as I've said in a previous podcast, you know, that God has one desire for each of us, and that is that we let him love us. And I was not letting God love me. I wasn't. I was shutting myself off. And no matter how many times he would knock at the door and say, I'm here, the doorknob was on my side. I had to be the one that made the decision to open the door, not him. You know, it was my decision because I have that free will and I get to make that choice as to whether or not I open the door with the doorknob on my side. And I opened the door and it has had a powerful effect upon my life. And one of the powerful effects it's had is this podcast, you know, because not only did I take the psychological insights that I have developed and have come to me over time, but I've added them to them, that religious idea, you know, the, the understanding of God's role in our lives. And, you know, maybe part of the reason why it is that this podcast has less listeners than it did before is that people are struggling with the idea of God. And I think the reason they struggle with it is because, you know, we, psychologically speaking, live in a state of fear. And because we live in a state of fear, we do not live in a state of love. Because the opposite of love is not hated, is fear. And because we live in fear, we cannot live in love, which means we cannot allow love in our lives. We give ourselves the illusion of having love. We think this is love, you know, just like we think the happiness that I experience is true happiness. It's not. No happiness can be found, I believe, without God in our lives. Other than that, it's just temporary, tension-reducing experiences, fantasies about how things are or how they're going to be or our role in life. But it's only through a loving connection with God and with those that God touches in our lives. You know, the, you know Pope St. John Paul talked about the sanctity of the religious, of the, of the marital relationship. And one of the things he had talked about was how when a husband and a wife are together— and they are in a great place with God, then God is there with them too. So it's not just two individuals, it is three. And much the same way as I've talked about with the wide open reality is that, you know, in that space, 
It is the child, it is the mother, and it is God. Now, how long the child and the mother stay in that space is up to the mother, not up to the child and not up to God. You know, and we get pulled out of that space because of the myopic reality that my mother was raised in and her mother was raised in and her mother was raised in. Now, don't get me wrong. I am in no way blaming mothers for the fact that the child cannot stay in that space. I don't think any of us think, okay, well, you know, I'm going to pull this child out of this heaven, you know, this heaven here on earth and make them, you know, feel sad and make them experience fear, make them experience suffering. It doesn't work that way, you know, because the truth of it is the child inside of the mother wants to be in that heavenly place again, too. You know, and so after everything is said and done, back to the point, <laughs> as I meander aimlessly about, I promise not aimless, but you know, as I meander about, I think, what is the motivation for doing this? I think truly the motivation is and has certainly become to a greater degree, you know, my desire to, to share the integration of these different pieces in our life to help us to recognize that, you know, we are on the one hand beings who still have a wide open reality within us unconsciously and there have a connection with God. And we are beings who also live in the real, quote-unquote, real world where we live in that myopic reality that we have been thrust into, where fear and terror and worry pervade our minds. You know, it's something that Christ said more often in the Bible than he said anything else, which is, do not be afraid. You know, because at the core, you know, if we live our lives in fear, we do not live them in love. And Christ is about love. God is about love. The Holy Spirit is about love. You know, and so we have this opportunity, and I have this opportunity with you here now. You know, whether you listen to this, you know, now or in the future, whether hopefully you will. But one way or another, you know, it is for me motivated out of a desire, just like I was when I was a boy, to give something that costs you nothing give something of my own that costs you nothing at all except your time and hopefully in that time you will gain something you will grow in some way and my hope is that your eyes will be open and you'll be able to see more clearly that the choice is yours to open the door from your side and to let God back into your life to let him be a huge the most huge and important piece of your life the greatest blessing of your life. And you'll find that the relationships that you have are not damaged by your relationship with God or having God in your life, but quite the contrary, that God will bless those relationships. And much like Pope St. John Paul said, you know, that it becomes a unity, you know, a true unity between you, the people you love, and God. I wish you all the best. Be well.